0: Welcome to season three, episode six here of Sports Life Balance.
1: My mom was about to have me, um, but you have to remember dads aren't allowed in the delivery room back in the 60s. So, so my dad basically dropped my mom off at the hospital and took the rest of the kids to the ice rink. And then it was announced over the loudspeaker that the Blairs had added a new um, female to um, the speed skating world. So that's how, you know, my dad, my brothers and sisters knew whether I was a boy or a girl. So yeah, like, so like kind of weird, but like, was it meant to be that I was supposed to, (laughs) you know, do what I did in sport? I have no idea, but it definitely makes for, it's a true story and makes for a good story.
0: And that's how it all began for one of the most decorated Olympians of all time, Bonnie Blair. And she's been making news in speed skating rinks for her entire life. Welcome to Sports Life Balance. I'm John Moffat. And as always, I'm glad you've joined us. As the youngest of six children, Bonnie grew up in a tight-knit speed skating family in Champaign, Illinois. She started racing at four years old, and by seven, she was named state champion for her age group. As a testament to her raw talent, Bonnie qualified for the U.S. Olympic trials the very first time she raced the 500 meters. And although she didn't make the 1980 Lake Placid team, her winning trajectory had begun. Bonnie went on to make the next get this five Olympics, ultimately winning five gold medals and a bronze and her family and friends affectionately called the Blair Bunch were there to witness each and every history making moment. Today, Bonnie carries on that rich legacy as a mom, wife, and coach. So here we go with her story of how, through the support of her family, friends, and community, Bonnie Blair became part of Speed Skating Royalty. I'm so glad that you're here today. Thanks for joining me.
1: Yeah, sure thing, John. Glad to be able to be with you today.
0: You know, for me, one of the best things about Sports Life Balance and being the host of Sports Life Balance is that I get to meet and learn about our guests because I get to do research about your background and all of that stuff. And- oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. But you know, you and I have only met once and it was briefly a few years ago at a meeting that we had at the U S Olympic and Paralympic museum before they opened it. Disgusting. Yeah. What really we- cool.
1: Like it- really cool for us to have been, first of all, to have been asked to take part in it. I thought for sure was an honor, Um, and then to be able to, you know, kind of discuss the different things, and then to see it to have all come to fruition is uh, like it's kind. It kind of really turned out to be beyond what I expected.
0: It's spectacular, isn't it? Yeah, I've
1: yeah, really cool.
0: I brought my mom there uh, a couple of months ago, so that was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, it's great to be able to share it with family and be able. Um, you know, just to see history of the Olympics, right? Um is just really cool.
0: It's definitely really cool. And and you actually speaking of your family, you come from a family of skaters and your parents were involved in speed skating even before you were born, right?
1: Yeah, so um as, it, as the story's told, uh, two of my sisters, um, much older, <laughs> um, got figure skates one year for Christmas. And they went to our local rink and they kept wanting to go faster and faster. And they kept getting in trouble by the rink guards. Uh, but the speed skating coach happened to be there and said, why don't you come try speed skating? So they went home, told my mom that. My mom kind of thought they were nuts And they happened to run into the guy in the grocery store and they're like, Oh, there's Dick Blum. He's the guy that said we should be speed skaters. So, you know, my mom talked to him, they investigated, they found speed skates. They realized they don't sell white speed skates. Um, they only come in black because figure skates for females back in the day were white. Um, so anyway, so, uh, figured that out and that's kind of how they got started. And then, you know, years later, uh, My mom was about to have me, Uh um, but you have to remember dads aren't allowed in the delivery room back in the (laughs) sixties. So so my dad basically dropped my mom off at the hospital and took the rest of the kids (laughs) to the ice drink. And then it was announced over the loudspeaker that the Blairs had added a new um, female to um the speed skating world. So that's how, you know, my dad, my brothers and sisters knew whether I was a boy or a girl. Oh so, my gosh. yeah, like so like kind of weird, but like was it meant to be that I was supposed to you know do what I did in sport? I have no idea, but it definitely makes for it's a true story and makes for a good story.
0: Well, you've been making news and rinks for years since so it seems (laughs) uh, appropriate in the grand scheme of things you you're one of six kids and how many how many of your siblings were skaters
1: and then five of them skated me included uh uh, and they were all either national or north american (laughs) champions um just none of them really stuck with it long enough to do what i did Um, you know, I think they all definitely had great talent. Right. Um, But you know, they did the normal thing. They went to college, (laughs) they did what (laughs) they were, you know, the kind of normal progression in one in a person's life. And, and I just kind of was like, okay, I want to keep doing this. And I just kept on going and tinkering with it. Uh, um, And you know, maybe too by the time, I came along and was in those college years and and maybe people had said stuff to my parents like oh she's got some talent like and so my dad kind of let me run with it i i guess so to speak versus all right well now you're done with school it's time to go to or high school it's time to go to college so they were maybe a little more lenient mm-hmm. at, you know in in regards to that So I guess I have to be kind of lucky that, you know, one of the better things would be in the last, you know, maybe they get tired of, you know, battling with the kids. Yeah. Just go ahead and go to the room. I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you you said something that's interesting to me. You said that they were more wanted to do more normal things and, and striving to be an Olympian or Olympic champion, much less, um, it, it. I hesitate to say it's abnormal, but it it really kind of is. The extraordinariness of it is abnormal.
1: Correct. Well, and winning five gold medals in a bronze, like that is not normal. It's superhuman. Yeah. So when people want, you know, now that my daughter's speed skating, you know, people, you know, they want to try to compare that, but you know, she knows what I did is not normal. You know, that's not, you just can't strap your skates on and go and expect it all to happen. So, you know, she gets that. You know, I I think that doesn't deter from her you know, having dreams and wants and, and what could I do in the sport? Mm-hmm. Um, but she also knows that what I did, you know, and even what her dad did being in four Olympics, that's... you know, that's not normal no, either. No, so, no. you know, to, to realize that and know that, you know, you do, you do what you do because you love it, um, you get a lot of great things out of it. There's so many life lessons that for sure come from sport, no matter what level you're doing it, uh, you know, competing at. So, so you know, there, there's a lot of that to take in part. So, um, you know, yeah, Olympics for sure. You know, Allison Felix, that is not normal. No. What she has accomplished <laughs> is not normal. But, you know, how cool is that? right? Like,
0: it's just really cool. Absolutely. It's really cool. And, and I can tell you from my experience as a swimmer growing up in Southern California, which is a big swimming community uh, there, you, you also grew up and, and competed in a a tight community of skaters. Um, Describe what that skating community was like when you were growing up and easing into your aspirations as an Olympian.
1: Yeah. You know, and, and it's funny you bring that up because it's so different kind of right now. And one of the things that my husband and I want to try to change and kind of bring it back to what we did have, um, because we had like a, 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 you know, our pool of numbers was so much bigger back when we were growing up. Mm-hmm. But, um, but when we had that, uh, you know, back, you know, in my younger years, when I was competing, what now people know as a short track, right. um, we referred to it as, you know, pack style indoor and patch style outdoor. And then there was the Olympic style. So, oh, okay. um, but, you know, so short track, you're competing in a hockey rink against other athletes on the starting line at the same time through a progression of heat semis and finals elimination races
0: right right and it's much more contact and it's (laughs) also the sport probably that uh, in the united states at least that um that ono um apollo ono Ono.
1: really put on on, on, yeah he put on the map right and so that wasn't an olympic sport until uh 88 it was demonstration um, 92 full-fledged medals mm. so but that's kind of what I grew up doing but growing up in, in Champaign Illinois uh, at one point we had the largest club in the United States wow. as far as numbers go and but then you know you t- took the Chicago area and there were clubs all around there probably like you know 15 or something like that you know now there's like like four maybe mm. and the number you know so our numbers have really dwindled and and that's very disheartening to myself and my husband and we're trying to change that but right. that's like a, that's a different conversation maybe yeah. we'll get to a little bit later but you know for my daughter not to have those numbers and the group of skaters and the camaraderie that it comes with and you know a lot of the the skaters that I skated with you know, I'm still very good friends with, you know, Dan Jansen's one of my best friends. And, um, you know, if we don't talk, we're texting or, you know, of course, he comes into Milwaukee and this is where his family lives. So he wants to see them. He doesn't necessarily want to see me. So we usually see each other out of town, but, um, but, you know, great friendships um, became from that and, and having, a large group to train with. I mean, we were training with probably almost 30 people every day. So you're always getting that, um, you know, push from behind the tug from in in front. And, you know, it really drove the level of competition up. Uh, I think one of the things now maybe we'll go to balance in what you talk about is when i was in those frames of doing those kind of things keeping the balance there knowing that this bike ride that i'm on right now is a recovery ride so i'm not trying to be in the front i'm not trying to beat somebody i'm doing as it's intended to do so you know trying to keep the balance Mm -hmm. into what the workouts are geared towards even though you have this group of people that you can really start to compete against. And, but then maybe does that go against you at some point? So at some points it's good. um, and some points you have to be mindful of where you need to be, what you need to do, when you need to push, when you need to pull back. Mm -hmm. So that those sort of things, but you know, we, we had a good group that was, um, you know, because it's an individual sport, but yet, you know, someone makes a joke and, it, you know, you laugh, but yet you can still right. push it. And, um, you know, it, it. even though I'm competing against the person that's right there next to me, um, we can still work with each other to try to hopefully make each other to be the best that they can be.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. The, and, I, and I was blessed with a similar situation where there were always plenty of people to push me. Yeah. Um, and you're also right in that, as in I've found in life, is that you can just push too hard too much day after day, and you have to Correct. recover. You have to rest. Yeah. And um, that, that's a that's kind of a hard-fought lesson that, unfortunately, I didn't learn very well as an athlete.
1: Um, Shame on you. I know.
0: know. And <laughs> now you
1: know, right? Uh, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> and you can help teach that. You know, I, I think some of the other things, too, that we learn... That you're like, oh, I wish I would have known this before, or whatever. But then you can pass it on, right? So, you know, part of of learning is the failures you go through, and how to regroup and rechange things to move ahead and and learn from, you know, the mistakes that we make, right?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, At at what point in your young career did you start really thinking that you could possibly? Go to the Olympics and compete on that level? So in
1: 1980, prior to our Olympic trials, mm-hmm. uh, I had been up here in the Milwaukee area. That's where I live, um, for another competition of what I called, you know, earlier the pack style racing against each other, right. but we also did it on the big track, the 400 meter track, like they do with, what now is called long track or what we call the Olympic style. So one day it was gonna be um, the pack style racing and the next day was Olympic style races. So some of my friends that, you know, I was competing against Mm -hmm. and with or whatever, they were there, but they were also going to be doing the long track races the next day. And they are like, well, why don't you stay and do those? And I'm like, oh God, I've never done that before. You know, I don't know. Like, I don't. Ha- and and when I was competing at that point in time, our outfits were tights with like a jersey, so a two piece okay. situation. <laughs> well, the lawn trackers wore the one piece with the hood, you know, right. to be more aerodynamic. You're going against the clock, so someone's like, "Oh, I'll get you a racing suit to borrow," you know, and you should go out. And I'm like, "Oh, God!" and and i will like, okay, I'll do this. <laughs> so the next day I do it, you know, signed up for the race. And I was supposed to have a pairing so that, you know, there'd be somebody racing at the same time I was. Well, that person didn't show up. So now I'm there all by myself. Hmm. And then I'm like, oh my God, okay, when you get to the back stretch, you're supposed to switch lanes. And, you know, am I going to forget to switch lanes? I mean, right, <laughs> like right, some of it seems like it should be so easy, but, you know, like, yeah, I've never done this before. and But I also knew that you could compete in the Olympic trials that were the very next weekend if you skated a sub 48 second 500. Okay. So, um, the clock for us is always typically at the end of the straightaway. So I came out of the last turn and I saw the clock hit, you know, like 42 at some point. And I'm like, I just kind of put my head down and I like went as fast as I could. And I crossed the finish line and I crossed the finish line in like 47.8. No way. Oh my God. Like. I can skate the Olympic trials next weekend. <laughs> so um, so anyway, uh, I got to skate the Olympic trials. The next, so then my parents were like going back to Milwaukee again, go back to Milwaukee again, I uh, still borrowing a racing suit. Um, and I happened to be paired with Leopolis Mueller. Okay. And Leah went on to win a silver medal um, in the 80 games in Lake Placid. Uh, so we were paired together and I always was kind of known for my fast start and the race finished and she set a track record and I believe I was like eighth I mean wow. there was like over you know you know 30 40 people in the competition and I placed eighth in those Olympic trials oh my heavens. Um, but she came up to me and she's like, oh my gosh, you know, thank you so much. Your fast start got me down the hundred faster than I normally go, which then led to me setting a track record. And I'm kind, you know, here's this young kid. I was, you know, probably like, I don't know, what was I like 16. And here's this, you know, already an Olympian she winds up going on to win a silver medal, you know, and she's thanking me for setting a track record. So, you know, it's even little things like that, that, that I, I even want to share with our athletes of today that are in those ranks to, you don't know what kind of an impact you can make on these kids that are up and coming. Right. So, you know, watch them, you know, Inter, our sport's so small, interact with them, give them that fuel for their fire that I was like, all right, well, I'm going to come back and do this again. Wow. So, you know, that's that was kind of my um, my first taste of it. And then, yeah, then I because of the results that I had, I wound up being on the national training team that summer, and wound up getting invited to training camp. Yeah, you know, having no idea that like I was even going to be doing anything like this because you know I mostly did what everybody refers to as short track or what Apollo yeah. did. Yeah. So which I did continue to do through um, 1986. So then I did the both of them for a couple of years there.
0: Well, you also had a bright, shiny example of what could be with Eric Hyden, who in the 1980 games, just to remind the listeners, in the 1980 games, he was a household name. The skin suit became familiar,
1: right? The gold striped swimsuit,
0: and he won swimsuit. I meant skin suit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he won five, five gold medals all
1: of them all that was able to win um you know it's like somebody trying to win it's like somebody trying to win the 50 in swimming and then trying to win you know the 800 or the 1600 you know like katie ledecky is not going to win the 50 right no like it's not going to (laughs) happen no matter what she probably tries to do she but Eric Haydn did that. So yeah. he was just really a man before his time. Um, you know, I think too, back then, you know, the world was learning more about training and his coach, Diane Holum was, you know, probably ahead of the curve at that time. And yeah, like, I mean, what he did will never be done again. And, you know, that's just, that's priceless, right? It's, uh, but I, like, I remember like, where I was sitting in my TV room with my parents watching Eric Hyden do that uh, in Lake Placid. And, you know, did I, you know, really think I I thought at that time, Oh, it would be cool to go to the Olympics, but never thought, Oh, could I win five gold medals? <laughs> um, it just took me three Olympics to win mine. He won his in a week. Um, a little bit different there, but you know, yeah, like I, I didn't. It that wasn't my my thought process. You know, it was okay. I'm skating Olympic style. Okay you know, maybe I could go to the Olympics, okay? Now that I'm there, maybe I could win a medal. So it was a real gradual up climb for me and nothing too fast, too quick, you know, because I also saw other people over the course of my career and maybe you did too, they had so much so early in their life that then they're burnt out Mm -hmm. and then they're not able to really get the most out of their career, and I always say, I definitely what ifed myself to death because, well, what if I go on more games? <laughs> what if I stay in this a little bit longer? So, yeah.
0: Well, you you obviously what if you way into the 84 games in Sarajevo. Um, you didn't medal at those games, but it must have been a huge, you know, the trajectory, it must have been a really, really good confidence booster for you.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I placed eighth in those games uh, if in the 500, that was the only event I was in at that Olympics. Uh, if you, if they would have had video of that and you could have seen me, um, and cross the finish line, I was like, like you probably would have thought I won the race, (laughs) but I like, I thought if I could get anywhere near the top 10, that would be awesome. So being eighth to me was like winning. Um, it was like, you know, it was, and it was just these little gradual nibs of stuff that just kept my desire to keep wanting to try to do this sport and see how far I could take it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and four years is a long time to train for your next big ambition. I mean, I know there's plenty of competitions in between the games, but, um, but, it's, it's, it's really, really hard work. And it's very daunting to be forecasting when you're a young person, where you're going to be able to be in four years. I've heard you say, and I'm paraphrasing this, but I heard you say that one of the things about skating for you is that it brings you great joy.
1: Yeah. I mean, I still love to get out there. Um, 58 years old, thank God my daughter's still skating, because then it it gets me to the rink, right? Uh And I like, I just, I love to skate. Um, I loved it. But if I don't start skating at the beginning of the season, um, and kind of go along with it, it's way too hard. So, um, and I'm sure you would find that for swimming, if you don't kind of keep at it, it's not really fun to go out there and skate you know, you know, four or five times a season. Like, yeah. If I'm going to do this, I want to do it a little bit more here, there. And um, so, yeah, so I'm lucky our daughter skates and my husband's, you know, the main coach of her and quite a few other athletes. And I go, and as long as they're not doing anything like full force, it's more like, like if they have laps or some easier intervals, I can kind of hang on to the back. Right. But, um, as the years go on, I'm getting worse and worse because <laughs> I'm getting older, but, um, I still enjoy it. So, um, yeah, I love to skate.
0: Well, I, and, and I still love to swim and I swim in the ocean quite a bit. Um, and, um, yeah. And I understand, uh, about the, the body doesn't work quite r- as well. Um, but, um, and you
1: think that it should like, <laughs> Why can't I move my legs faster? <laughs> Why is my daughter like dropping like well, I should be able to keep up with her? Like I mean, <laughs> that's what my mind thinks, but my body's like no, this isn't working.
0: <laughs> oh my heavens. Yes, a little bit of wear and tear too. Um right. let's uh... let's let's jump those 4 years to 1988. Those games were in Calgary. Um and you had the fortune of Winning a gold in the 500 and a bronze in the 1000. Your family and friends were there. How did they react to that gold in the 500?
1: Oh yeah. Like, I mean, nuts, of course. <laughs> and, you know, I kind of want to say we were the Blair bunch as the media dubbed them. That's kind of where it started. Right. Uh, my first games in Sarajevo it was just my mom and two sisters. So they really weren't quite a bunch there, but there was like 25 of them there <sighs> in Calgary. And um, my sister Susie uh, flew for Delta airlines and she was like kind of in their ski club for Delta. But, you know, somebody had these like paper jackets that they made. So they're, they called them paper jackets. They were made out of a type of paper, um, but you could throw them in the wash and they then they huh. even got softer or whatever. So one of her friends who also came to the Olympics was like, well, we got to get everybody in these paper jackets. So they made like, Bonnie Blair, paper jackets. In. <laughs> and so I want to say we were kind of one of the first families to get people to start dressing alike at the Olympics. <laughs> and then, of course, it grew from there. Um, Albertville, there were like 45 people there. And then in Lillehammer, there were like 60. So, um, you know, it, they kept feeding off of each other. But, you know you know, it was so nice to have them there. And granted, I didn't get to see them a ton because I'm in the village and I'm focused and I'm doing what I need to do. But um, I do remember after my gold medal, um, somehow they they got my family and I was able to meet them somewhere. I think it was in between media and going to drug testing. Mm. And, you know, my dad was um, he was a man of very few words. Uh and sorry for <laughs> getting emotional, but um, you know, my dad didn't never say very much. He was a very quiet person, but when he said things, you knew that he meant it or, or whatever. And he didn't even say anything, but the smile on his face was the biggest smile I've ever seen from my dad. And he didn't even have to say anything. Um, he also had been going through um, a bout with lung cancer and had finished um, his had finished a treatment right prior to coming up to Calgary. So, you know, he wasn't feeling at his best, and you know, had lost his hair, and you know, all that kind of stuff. But the life to see in my dad's eyes and smile was. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. And of course, yeah, the rest of my family, they're all going nuts. Um, but yeah, that, that was a special moment to be able to see them, you know, besides just up in the stands and like, Oh, okay. Like, all right. Like, when am I going to see you guys? And I mean, it had probably been almost a good two hours or something.
0: (laughs) Dan Jansen, your childhood friend was also there at those games. Um, and what I remember is watching those games is that, that you two had kind of parallel stories, favored to win gold. However, um, his experience was very different than yours um, in that in the 500, his favorite event, he he crashed going into the first turn uncharacteristically.
1: Very uncharacteristically. Yeah, like, I mean... You know, to this day, I can think of just a handful of times that he ever fell. Um, And then he winds up, you know, he not. So the day of his 500, um, his sister loses her battle with leukemia. And um, he decided to still skate. Um, Part of his family was there. Um, They agreed with him you know, and at that point, what can you do? Right. I mean, there's nothing he could do. So why not right. go for it? Right. Like why not, you know, make this a potential Cinderella story. Like yeah. it, it, it could have had that magic to it. Right. And um, but as it turned out, yeah, he fell and opted to stay and skate the thousand yep. Um, yep. a few days later Uh, But yeah, you know, that was hard for our whole team. Um, I'm sure you know with swimming, although it's an individual sport, you're still very much a team and you're all there together, men, women, distance, sprinters, whatever. And, you know, that was something that for sure was felt by our our entire team, not just TJ. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously those closer to him, you felt it more right um but anyway uh yeah it was it was a difficult time um but you know, <laughs> to this day dj still says his favorite olympic moment was me winning the 500 oh my gosh and he he just feels that you know somehow that helped his pain, I think, feel a little bit lighter.
0: We'll be right back with Bonnie in a minute. I want to let you know about our partner, Roca. I've been wearing their industry-leading wetsuits and goggles and swimsuits for a long time. But Roca also makes amazing eyeglasses and sunglasses designed for those of us who like to push ourselves physically and want to look good doing it. I know this firsthand because I own some myself and they're incredibly light and they won't slip off my face no matter what. If you need prescription glasses like I do, you can try them on at home. Roka will send you your choice of four frames and then order your favorite and give Roka your prescription. It's that simple. So go to Roka.com, that's R-O-K-A.com, and enter code SLB, as in Sports Life Balance. That's just three letters, SLB, to save 20% on every order, and that's for anything in their website. And now let's get back to the episode with Bonnie Blair
1: to this day dj still says his favorite olympic moment was me winning the 500 oh my gosh and he he just feels that you know somehow that helped his pain i think feel a little bit lighter and um but like i said you know we're we're very close you know he's like a little brother to me um you know, we're only a little over a year apart from each other, but, you know, yeah, we, when you travel with somebody almost eight months out of the year for how many years, right. you know, their likes, they're just, you know, I know that, you know, what he, he doesn't like peppers and I don't like peppers, <laughs> and you know, the, the foods that you like and dislike and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, yeah, but like, if we race ahead and I don't want to get too far ahead of your, your, your questions, but you know, to Lily Homer when then he winds up winning in his last Olympic race in the thousand, that was not always known as his specialty, but a race that he consistently finished on the podium and to win that in world record time, his last Olympic race ever, that was a storybook ending. And, you know, it, it, that had the power of him winning that race as if he would have won all the other races prior to, because he had the option, he, he had the, the talent to have come away with uh, as many Olympic medals as I did, but his one that he did had the impact of the six that I have for sure.
0: Well, the entire world and the country was swept up in his delayed Cinderella, Cinderella story.
1: Correct. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was like constantly building, right? (laughs)
0: Like
1: he's gotta win. (laughs) Every like other countries were pulling for him, you know, uh, like uh, his, 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 um, competitors were literally congratulating him, you know, like, um, they were congratulating him, um, in a way that like, you know, Oh, congratulations for, you know what you, like it it was heartfelt. Those congratulations from his competitors were literally heartfelt. And that's pretty cool.
0: Absolutely. I, it was pretty cool for me watching it from a very far Far. distance, (laughs) but, but the world really did follow this, you know, um, Just a little bit of trivia, Um, and I don't. I'm I'm assuming that you don't know this, but um, one of my previous guests on Sports Life Balance is a guy named Greg Bonin, and he created Baywatch. And he was filming those games in Albertville in '88. I'm sorry, in Calgary in '88, and he started filming you and Dan Jansen and the other skaters in slow motion. And that slow motion that he was filming for his Olympic film, that was his inspiration for the slow-mo introduction of Baywatch of the lifeguards running down the beach.
1: Oh my God. No, had no clue. That's 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 pretty special, huh?
0: Isn't that cool? I just love that yeah. story.
1: Yeah. Awesome. A well, tidbit I didn't know. As my <laughs> mom says, you learn something new every day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'll tell Greg. Um, you know, let's let's uh, go quickly to Albertville um, in 1992. Four years later, and you were um, you were able to win two golds, to Correct. number two and number three, which was in your fi- the 500 and the 1000. And of course, the Blair bunch was there, but and this time
1: in for- paper jackets again. <laughs> <laughs>
0: curious yeah, about these papers. like
1: 45 of them there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, your dad, he wasn't able, to, he wasn't there.
1: Yeah. And um, so when I won my first medal at those games, I dedicated that in his memory. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I really do feel it was his dream that I do all this before it became mine. So when I was about 12, um, I, my school wasn't too far from where my dad worked. And I think I had had to stay over for, you know, something, I don't know. Um, And I walked over to his work and then was going to get a ride home. And he introduced me to a new co-worker of his. And he just said, you know, this is my daughter, Bonnie, and she's going to be in the Olympics and she's going to win an Olympic medal. Oh, wow. And I'm like, okay, so remember I told you earlier, my dad's a man of very few words. Yeah. And I'm like, what in the world is he talking about? And I kind of, I was just kind of like, oh my, like, is he just trying to impress this guy? Like, first of all, I didn't skate the Olympic style. I was still just doing like the short track. Right. And I'm like, what? And so I just kind of went along with it and was like, oh yeah, you know, whatever. I speed skate. And, but I remembered that. You know, I remembered him saying though, because like I said, my dad was a man of very few Mm -hmm. words. So when he said something, you remembered it, it stuck in your mind, you listened, you know, whatever. And uh, now, like all these years later, you know, I was able to start doing what this guy put this little dream in my head. And, you know, I didn't know it was a dream at that point. You know, it was really his to begin with. So, um, you know, I, it, it meant it meant a great deal for me for him to be there in 88 and witness what I did and be able to share in the joy of that. But he was definitely very missed um, in the Albertville games. But, yeah. you know, my mom took the bull by the horn and took the Blair Bunch on and, The matriarch of the Blair Bunch, Eleanor, like um, lived up to the to the to the task of, you know, having everybody be there and be supportive. And um, yeah, like so once again, like I win and you get on this, you know, podium in the middle of the rink. And my family's all on the back stretch. And all I want to do is just keep turning (laughs) around and and like waving to them. And, you know, I look, you know, in front and I'm like, I see no familiar faces except, oh, wait, there's Don Johnson and Melanie Griffin. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, those were the only like familiar faces that I could like see. And I must have said something. And when I won my second medal, somehow they were able to get my mom and my siblings over right front and center. And I at least, you know, had that contact, but otherwise it was like, I just wanted to keep waving to them on the backstretch. <laughs> like, wow. okay, I'm here. <laughs> I wish you guys were here with me.
0: <laughs> wow. What a great story. Well, um, you, you mentioned also that your dad, your dad mentioned when you were little, that you were going to be an Olympian and it's kind of i was i'm thinking it's kind of a met, bit of a metaphor for m- me as an adult in my life and being able to give back to kids and every once in a while you say something and you can see the kid light up and and the that suggestion that you could do great things that suggested that suggestion that you know who of you will be the next person to do some great thing and don't forget it could be you I mean, that's a big, that's a valuable lesson that your dad taught you Yeah. very young.
1: Without really even, you know, you know, I kind of went in one ear and out the other, right? Because it stuck though. I, but it did stick. And, and, but it was all those years later that then, you know, as I started doing the Olympic style, as I started, you know, I got to be in those Olympic trials in 1980 you know, maybe I could go to the Olympics and it kind of came back to, you know, yeah, like, and then, um, I think it was, I think it was in the Hammer games because, you know, it's before cell phones. Um, and I got a, um, uh, a telegram from the gentleman that my dad sent that to and he sent me a telegram after Lilyhammer, and you know, it said something about, you know, I remember your dad telling me that you were going to be in the Olympics wow. and win a gold medal, and here you wind up winning five and a bronze. Like, you know, what did your dad know that nobody else did?
0: Crystal ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let's let's move on to Lilyhammer then. Lilyhammer was actually 1994. Um, Correct. So that's so- when
1: we got the two year break. So um, they offset the Olympics. Uh, it worked out great for us winter Olympians, because then we just had the two year break, mm-hmm. 92, 94. Um, but prior to that, the, you know, I always said we were a good warm up for the summer games, because, you know, our Olympics would be in February. And it seemed like as soon as they put the flame out, they were, they were already on to the summer people. Right. And you know, I really do feel that it kind of gave the Winter Olympians a little bit longer leg to stand on, and you know, reap the rewards of yeah. being successful. Um, you know, especially at that time when uh, the 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 world of um, you know sponsors were starting to come into play, and re- which really kind of happened, you know, from the eighty four games um, when they were in L A. Right. and And, you know, really or they were really kind of drum drowning off of that where corporate America really kind of stepped up into the world. And, you know, and then it kind of started not just helping the Olympic movement, but then it would be, um, you know, sports specific or it could be individualistic. And, you know, that that made a difference. And then staggering the Olympics. I think that helped too for sure yeah and on the, it helped on the corporate end as well because then there wasn't always this four years between olympics you know
0: well and me as a fan it helped me as well because i i don't have to wait every four years now yeah. I, wait, it's I get every be, two be years. on
1: the couch for two weeks every two years <laughs> <laughs>
0: That might not be such a good thing, but anyway, um, no, I think, I think it definitely worked out for the better. As you said, you won two golds in the 500 and 1,000, 1, uh, once again. Um, and you mentioned that your mom, the matriarch took over the Blair bunch very well. Um, I looked at the, um, there, the Olympic film, the official Olympic film that was produced by Bud, uh, produced, written Bud and directed Greenspan, by Bud yeah. Grandspan. Yes. Yeah. Um, great man. Um, and he focused on your mom, just on your mom. And of course, point. the Blair Bunch is around her when you are racing your 500, which is a sh- short race. Sure.
1: Like, yeah, 39, 39. seconds. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a short race. And she goes completely quiet. Like you can see the, like she is feeling all the stress and nervousness that a human can feel. and. <laughs> And and then when you win the gold and she realizes it, it's an absolute eruption of celebration. <laughs> right.
1: And relief, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think her shoulders like dropped, like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and I think maybe, and maybe it was even in the thousand when they kind of focused on her and You know my other siblings or whatever yelling around her, and she was kind of like hitting them to like, (laughs) you know, stop. Like, you know, let her finish her race. You know, (laughs) (laughs) it really is fun to watch for sure.
0: Well, it's 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 a great example of the roles that families have in the lives and careers of young athletes. That without that.
1: Well, and and that number one, you have no control.
0: As a parent. <laughs>
1: right? Like you, you you sit there like, you know, I know now what my mom's going through with my kids doing their stuff. And you do have no control. Um, but on the flip side, you want to be there for them when loss, um, they're sick and they can't even be there, right? Like that's how you just, and you know, that's how I always felt my family was. Um, they were there no matter what the circumstances was, were, I knew they'd have fun no matter what the circumstances were. Um, you know, when I saw some of the pictures and stuff after the fact, I'm like, okay, were they there to, you know, more to watch me race or just to like party and have a good time? And, you know, I'm still think the jury's out on that, but, <laughs> but um but, you know, yeah, I, I think you, as as a parent, you want to be able to give them the tools and the opportunities to chase their goals and their dreams. and And you want to be there and supportive in any way that you can. And I definitely feel my parents, you know, and my brothers and sisters, because they were all such older than I was, they were all there for me and supporting me. And, you know, I think the same thing went for my husband and his parents. And, you know, so that's what we want to do for our kids. Um, and, you know, give, and, but yet also to not force them, you know, I would never want my daughter to be in the sport just because we did it. Um, you know and it goes for swimming and mm-hmm. sorry to say this to you but you know I was I used to be on the swim team breaststroke was my best stroke Ooh. too <laughs>
0: good choice
1: um but there came a time where I'm like okay I don't I'm not enjoying the swimming anymore mm-hmm. and I don't like getting into the ice cold pools because they weren't heated back in the day mm. <laughs> um and but my dad, as my dad was a timer for speed skating, he was also a timer for swimming. And so I, you know, I knew that it was something that was a part of him too, right? So when it was getting close to the, to the summer, when it was going to be summer, we were supposed to do swim team. And my dad said something to me, and I just dreaded it. I was like, oh, how am I going to tell him I don't want to yeah. do this anymore? And So when he asked me about swim team, I'm like, you know, dad, I don't know if I want to do it anymore. And he goes, okay. And that was it. And I'm like, oh my God, I dreaded for weeks for this conversation. And, you know, not that I felt like he was going to be like yelling at me and mad at me, but, um, like more disappointed Mm -hmm. or, you know, I, I don't know what I really thought it was going to be, but. Um, but I was feeling bad for him because of his link to it all. Right. And yeah. And he was like, okay. And I'm like, oh my God, that was the easiest thing. <laughs> I had. And I'm like, and I dreaded this, but, but I think that that's it. You've, you've got to let your kids chase their goals, their dreams, be there for them and supporting them, but never force them. You know, I'm glad my dad didn't go, well, why don't you just try one more season? Yeah. or You know, he didn't say he just okay. And then that was
0: it. it. It's, it's funny that you say that story because but I'm, I'm married to a swimmer. Um, so she, she swam at Stanford as as well. And, um, both of our kids were on the swim team when they were young and they both just hated it. They hated <laughs> it. And I can, I could tell that they both had talent, but they, they just hated it. And we had to we had to, of course, let them go off and do their own thing. Okay. And, um, yeah. you know, our daughter just finished uh, her fourth year an, an, a Division I volleyball player. Um, you know, so they went on to develop their own. But you have to do that with your kids. They, you have to let them um, make mistakes, find their likes and dislikes, so um, and, and let that be a huge guide rather than the heavy hand of mom and dad. Um, it just so happened, I guess with your, your kids, they both ended up on the ice, the ice. DNA, the, the DNA, <laughs> unlike my wife and I, the DNA didn't work that way, but for you, the no, DNA it wasn't
1: always that way. My daughter was full fledged into gymnastics oh. until her wrist gave out. And, um, and she had to go try something else. And she's like, Oh, maybe I should try this speed skating thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, and you know, that was kind of like 13 14 right around in there so um you know yeah for her it wasn't always I mean when she first started speed skating she couldn't do a crossover so I mean she would go out there on hockey skates and tinker around Mm -hmm. a little bit here and there but never really had the passion for the ice um but now she's got the passion for it and you know we obviously told like don't do this for us yeah And she was like, no, I want to, I want to try to give this a go. And, um, she's made three junior world teams. Um, she's now officially a senior. So now she has to go against uh, the big girls. Um, but she's probably sitting about, you know, seventh or right around there nationally in the 500. So she's getting there and she's kind of going on that upswing too.
0: And your son plays hockey
1: and he plays hockey, Um, so he plays division one hockey Mm -hmm. he um will be at saint cloud for uh saint cloud state that's in minnesota for this last season he got a fifth year out of you know the whole covid thing or whatever um so he's got one more year uh and hoping uh to go professional with it he uh was actually at a um uh, Washington Capitals development camp a couple of weeks ago that went really well and uh, they said they've really got their eye on him so um, wow. we'll see where that goes yeah. and uh, the opportunities that lie ahead for him and um, yeah so but you know I'm not sitting there quiet like my mom. I'm <laughs> up there ringing my cowbell and going nuts
0: <laughs> it's, it's funny it's funny that you say that because I wanted to ask you about a photograph that I saw of you with a cowbell oh, yeah, in your probably
1: right- with a cowbell in my mouth wide open
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's a it's a precious photo um of you i believe you're I, I believe you're cheering for your daughter.
1: For my daughter, Blair. Yeah. yeah I think yeah. that was at, at maybe the Olympic trials, not this time, but the last time.
0: And I, you know, there's a, there's a connection there. I mean, you didn't sit quietly, but yet no. you've got the continuation of, you know, your mom cheering you on and your dad cheering you on. And now you, and you are starting another Blair bunch in essence, yeah. but it's just a, there was a beautiful photo that illustrated. We
1: call it, um, the B Bizzle bunch. <laughs> What's that? Even though her name's Blair Kurchank, we felt like we got to get away from the Blair bunch and do something else. So one of her next nick- nick- nicknames is B Bizzle. So it's the B Bizzle bunch. <laughs> got it. Got it. And we all got sweatshirts. <laughs> <laughs> we all got to look alike. <laughs>
0: um, and you, and you, you help, coach your daughter. And I'm assuming that you also at one point helped coach your son. Um, I'm, I'm curious, uh, how, how do you remain balanced as a parent and as a coach?
1: Yeah. And I, I think part of that aspect that kind of goes with the kids being willing. Right. But, you know, ever since, the kids were little, we've always kind of helped, them, you know, obviously, you know, I'm not teaching her gymnastics by Mm -hmm. any means, but my husband played soccer in high school. Um, so he helped her when she was doing her soccer a little bit. Grant played hockey growing up, which is what he saw all his, um, my nephews, his cousins do, Uh (laughs) uh, But my husband, when he retired from speed skating, he went into trying to get hockey players to be better skaters and learning how to um, not just skate on your hockey skates, but put everything all together. Um, So he's learned, you know, a lot of not necessarily a play in hockey, but moves in hockey and how to maneuver on your skates and has really taken a lot of time to do that. But, but also the training off the ice Mm. um, and how to get strong off the ice. I think a lot of hockey players, and you hear this over and over again, yeah, I just got to get in the gym and, you know, pump weights and pump on. And that's what they think off ice training is, but it really is a lot of things. It's, it's training those, you know, those muscles, um, and being in that crouch skating position. Mm-hmm. You know, having a lot of good balance work for for your edges. Um, doing cardio, so riding the bike, doing some running. You know, those kind of there. You know, and you can you can do that kind of all well rounded, um, and so Dave really works with uh, with Grant. You know a lot of times here at the house, we've got you know usually two other hockey guys living here that are being trained by Dave as well. And you know, we go out on group rides, and it's the speed skaters and the hockey players all riding together. And we might, you know, sometimes have 12 in our group, wow. but you know, it, it's training. And um, you know, I, I think the kids also realize that what mom and dad did was you know. Pretty decent. So, you know, like, okay, I think it's okay to listen to them versus, you know, listening to somebody that maybe doesn't have the credibility behind their name. Mm -hmm. However, I'm the first to admit it. I'm not a great coach. Um, I'm more. You know, and I might be good for more of the talking aspects and thinking aspects or whatever. But, you know, like, I'm like, okay, why can't you just go do it? <laughs> like, you know, where my husband is technically thinking all the mm. different things and can articulate that. And I'm like, well, why don't you just go? Why can't you go skate faster? Why, why can't you? know? <laughs> like, so I'm I'm not as good as that type of stuff. So we're probably good for the yin and the yang of, yeah. of You know, helping to coach the kids in a way, Um, but he's more the coach. I'm kind of the, I'm I'm the assistant, and I'm a good videographer too. Oh,
0: um, I have a a question for you regarding your your coaching. Um, I read that your daughter wasn't able to compete in the Olympic trials earlier this year because she came down with COVID. Um, Obviously. You know, when you're a young person and you know the lightning in the bottle of every four years and the Olympic team, it's a it's a it's a pretty crushing blow. Um, but the pain that you feel as a parent also is. I mean, wow, it's it's sure. a different kind of pain. But to watch your kids go through things like that.
1: Well, and to know how hard they work. Yeah. And you know, I, I she was a major long shot for making the olympic team but that was her olympics you know the olympic trials was her big meat of the year mm-hmm. and so and you know the blow would have helped if she would have felt bad but she had no symptoms mm-hmm. and you know living here in the house with dave and i and dave and i are negative negative. Um, And of course, he's coaching other athletes and I'm, you know, like an assistant coach. So we have our credentials. So we had to get tested every single day. And we keep testing negative, negative, negative. And here she's negative or here she's positive feels not bad it not not a sniffle not a fever not you know so like if she would have felt that it probably would have made the blow easier right like at least feel crappy (laughs) but but she didn't so Uh. you know but she she handled it like a trooper and you know at at the end of the day there wasn't anything you could do about it so at like life gives us different things you figure out how to deal with it and you pick up and you move on and so um you know that that was it but yeah like and especially being an athlete I know how hard she worked and what she put into it where you know if that would happen to me my mom would have no clue what I was doing (laughs) you know training she just knew I was gone for a few hours here and a few hours there but I know what she did. I know the work that she put in. I felt it. And so, yeah, it was, it was crushing. And, you know, like I said, like it really would have helped if she would have felt bad. Yeah.
0: No, I, I, I get that. Well, the, one of the great things that sports teaches kids is, is resilience, toughness, perseverance. Um, and, and those lessons That's, of course, one of the topics that I like to talk about. Those lessons last throughout life, long after the sports are over.
1: Oh, for sure. And, you know, we're always going to have setbacks one way or another. And it's how you deal with them. Um, You know, there's, I I guess I always feel the sun's going to come up tomorrow. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of how what we've shared with our kids, like something happens, you move on like it's beyond our control. So, um, let's move on, look for tomorrow. Um, she had more competitions throughout the season. We're going to, you know, those are going to be our next points that we're going to try to be hitting and try to get faster times. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then that's what she did.
0: Well, and, and yes, in sports, um, sometimes things happen. There's no necessarily a reason behind it. Some, sometimes you just get your butt kicked or, Something yeah. happens and, <laughs> yeah, and and um, I, I think, you know, it struck me that searching for those silver linings is a great coping mechanism where you're trying to find, okay, what is the good that I can find out, find from this? Right. And
1: maybe you won't find it out for a while, right? You know, it could be a little ways down the road before you figure out what that potential silver lining could be. And- you know, yeah. Then it probably softens the blow a little bit, <laughs> but at the time, it's hard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, just to wrap to wrap it up here, I've I have one final question for you, um, and it's kind of you know it's kind of a, a bigger scope question. Um, how was being an Olympian? Uh, how did it influence your life as a wife, and a mom, and a coach?
1: Yeah. You know, I don't necessarily know whether Olympian is the right word or just through sports in general and the life lessons that I learned through that and, you know, setting goals, resetting them. um, As we talk about having setbacks and trying to maneuver the ways to overcome those and move forward. Um, You know, I think those are the, but, but it helps in all walks of life, right? Um, No matter what we do in our life, there's always going to be something. And, um, but I think always, you know, looking forward to the next thing. And, you know, what is that next thing? And, you know, obviously my sporting days are gone, but, you know, now those next thing are living through it through my kids. Mm-hmm. And how fun is that? Um, so, you know, I, I think, you know, the other thing My, my I learned from my brother um, who battled a brain tumor for a good 20 plus years. And, you know, he was never one to say like, why me? He, um, and he was somebody who, whose glass was always way more half full than half empty. And he said to me one time, um, you know, we must've been talking about what you can do or can't do or something and, and how he wasn't able to drive because of seizures. I'm sure that's probably one of the things. And he's like, well, yeah, but he goes, you know, when I got this brain tumor, or before I got this brain tumor, let's say there were 10,000 things that I could do. And he goes, and now there's 9,000 things that I can do. And so, you know, that glass was always way more half full than half empty. Mm-hmm. And to try to find the positive in, positives in things instead of the negatives and 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 look for those positives and, and try to shine a light on something when it's dim. Um, but I really learned a lot through... Um, yeah, my, my older brothers and sisters and life lessons I learned through my parents and sport. And like I said, you just hope that you carry them on, you know, transfer them over to the next generation and hopefully it keeps moving forward.
0: The, your legacy is bigger than just the, the gold and bronze medal.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Like if you were to ask me my best race in Lilyhammer, um, my best race actually came in the 1500 and I skated that race faster than I ever had by almost a half a second. So it was a personal best for me (laughs) and like a personal best by half a second. And you know, like how far a half a second is, it's kind of a long way. Right. And so, um, and I just missed a bronze medal by, uh, two one hundredths of a second. So, you know, yes, I was fourth and I won two gold medals there, but that fourth place finish was really when I look at at the the races in the 500 and the 1000, race per race, that fourth place finish was my best race at in Lillehammer. Um wow. yes, wow. I came away with two gold medals, but that fourth was really I mean, it was an American record, it was the fastest I had ever got, you know, so those are, that's kind of what I mean, like, to me, that was first, even though, you know, others look at that as well, you lost. Well, yeah, I did. But like, I was on top of the like, I just rocked that race. You know, I was just as proud of that race, as I was as the other two.
0: Well, Bonnie, thank you for joining me today. Okay,
1: but I got a question for you. Oh, no. Okay. Yes. So I believe you know, well, probably at least I have gotten to know over the course of a few years, but that you competed with like Rowdy Gaines and Steve Lundquist. Of course. And good buddies of mine that, um, and of course, Steve was also a breaststroker. So probably one of your main competitors. The main. if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> I broke his
0: world record at the Olympic trials. Yes.
1: So. <laughs> uh, but anyway, like uh, our, our Olympic world is um, pretty small mm-hmm. and you know, it, it it's, it's smaller when you take just winter, but I, I definitely feel having been a gold medalist and, and getting to be intertwined through some of the summer sports and the summer Olympians um, has been a a lot of fun too. And, and it makes it more fun for watching the games and um, cheering the next generations on. And uh, you know, as they say kind of in the Olympic movement, once you're an Olympian, you're always an Olympian. So I feel our connection and um, you know, appreciate you doing what you're doing to share with those, um, of your listeners, you know, some of the life lessons that we learn through, through sport, but go beyond sport for sure.
0: Well, thank you. That's a very, that's a great compliment. I really, I really appreciate that. As I I said at the beginning of our conversation that, um, perhaps the best thing about doing sports life balance is, is, is meeting and getting to know the athletes better, um, no matter what type of athletes that they were. A lot of people on the show are not necessarily even Olympians or Paralympians, um, and to me, it's 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 the community. It's that that bigger community. We it's it's something that's very important to me, and um, and so for that, I really appreciate you spending time and me getting to know you a little bit better, and our listeners getting to know you a little better as well and good luck to both of your kids as they uh, strive on their careers and um, thank you again for spending your time with me
1: yeah for sure thing and um, yep you'll hear me i'll have my cowbell ringing whether it's hockey or speed skating
0: (laughs) (laughs) i love it bonnie has modeled her life as an athlete mother and coach with an axiom of her own making She says, winning doesn't always mean being first. Winning means doing better than you've done before. I'm John Moffitt, and thank you for joining Bonnie and me for this episode of Sports Life Balance. If you've enjoyed your time here, please give us your five-star review and do me a favor and tell a friend or two. Bye for now. This was Sports Life Balance with John Moffat.